Morning, everyone. I'm getting used to this chair setup. Good to see you all. It's good to be together. Getting used to this chair setup? It's been a few weeks now. It's a little bit different. Um, I'm going to jump right in. I'm going to read a a rather lengthy uh, bit of Ephesians because I want to set sort of some context um, from the whole passage that we're going to get into this morning. Okay, so Ephesians 4, starting at verse 17, and we're going to go all the way into chapter 5. So uh, settle in, get your Bibles open if you want. Uh, This is going to be good. This is probably one of my favorite parts of Ephesians. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, as Christ love us, loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes light, becomes visible, is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. There's lots in there. We're not certainly going to unpack nearly even all of it, but we will get into some of it. So summer of of 99 for me, uh, I remember that day, the Easter Sunday of that day very, very well in the summer of 99. Uh, I went back to church. I hadn't been in church for quite a while, and I remember that I encountered the presence of God on that Sunday in a very real, very tangible, um, personal way. I went up, and I encountered the presence of God, and I, and I received something that day from the Lord, and I, and I knew that something was different. And I, but I, I think, from what I can remember, I think I kept it relatively quiet. I, I don't even know if my family actually knew uh, this, the kind of extent of what happened there. Um, but something was stirring within me. There was a desire within me that was stirred. And, and then throughout that summer, um, I, I was hanging out with some, some good friends and they were drawing me back into church. And I, and I knew that I was searching. And I had an encounter with God that summer as well that really changed the, and altered the direction of my life in, in a very real way. And so I made plans to attend the discipleship school that our church was running at the time called the King's Commission. And uh, to kick off that year, we, they took all of us students down to Pensacola, Florida, where the Brownsville Revival was happening. Um, Michael Brown had been there. Actually, some of us know who he is. He had been there for a time. And so they, they took us there. And the intent of taking us there was as students that we would encounter the presence of God. They wanted to invite us to, to bring us into a place where we would really encounter God in a real and tangible way. And, and I did. I, I very much um, just really enjoyed encountering the presence of God in a way that I'd never had before then. And, but, but the process and the realization in me that I was designed to carry and manifest that presence of God in my life I don't think that that really hit me there. Not, not, to, not nearly to the extent that it needed to. And, and that's, that's quite the journey. And I think maybe for many of us, it's quite the journey of realizing that it's not just about like consumerism, consuming this thing and then enjoying, going, oh, that's great. But there's something about God's presence actually like emanating from us. And, and that's part of the journey of, of coming into this relationship with Christ. And so I want to talk about that today. But we've, we've been in this uh, new series we kicked off in June called Presence, Formation, Witness. And it's, it's all about fostering patterns of renewal in our lives. And we're going we're gonna to look at how 
um, throughout this series. So God's people, we've, and we have been looking at how they're made for presence, how we're made to be pursuing more and more of God's presence. It's part of what defines us as God's people. We're going to talk about how we are shaped by formation, given to the practice of being formed into the image of Jesus. And that has all sorts of implications for our lives of how we live for Christ and and, and all the various aspects. And we're going, to, we're going to dig into that in the next number of weeks. And, and we're going to talk about how we're defined by witness. How every single one of us is called to be living on mission. It's not just for a certain select group of people who are the missionaries. We're all called to be on mission. And so that's one of the reasons why we want to do Alpha. Because we want to be on mission. And we want to be taking the, the message and the hope of Jesus to people. So... Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta, I'm gonna skip past that. But wanna, so we started by looking at how we were made for God's presence. That's kind of where we started this, and then we talked about how we are meant to be pursuing God's presence. And we looked at that, and we looked at Exodus, and and how uh, the story of, of the Israelites and God's people and, and the tabernacle and the tent of meeting. And it was really, really rewarding and rich. And now, now we want to talk about being carriers of God's presence. That, that we're not, we're called to be, we're made for his presence, we're to be pursuing this presence, and we're carriers of God's presence in us. Now, I told you that little bit, how it kicked off my year in Bible school, and how we went to Brownsville and had a great time and encountered the Lord, and it was like, yeah, lots of great fun. Here's real life. Got back, and um, I ended up living in an apartment, a two-bedroom apartment with four other guys. All of us from very, very, very different backgrounds and walks of life. Do you know what it's like to have five guys, all young, dare I say immature, living in a two-bedroom apartment? It's like, it's, at times, it's madness. It's chaos. And this, this is where... What we read here in Ephesians 4 and 5, all of that is very, very applicable for that apartment life of that year and how you live. How, how do we, it's great to encounter God's presence, how do we live out this new life as carriers of this presence is a question. Now, I want to I talk about this because this is this is not automatic. Okay, this is your default is you come to Christ, you know, the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit, and, and it's not your default to now just flow and emanate and being carriers of God's presence. If that's what you think, that's not our default, because our default is the flesh. Our default is the false self and all of our history and all of our background. And so living out of this perspective takes what uh, there's an acronym here, VIM. Vision, not the cleaning agent. Vision, intention, and means. Do you have a vision for this? What's your intention for it? And what are the means by which you're going to get there? I'm gonna, and I'm going to use that. Um, I'm going to use that throughout sort of this series because it, it relates a lot to, to how do we become more like Jesus? You've got to have a vision for that. So I want to I shape very quickly here, what the Bible says about us being carriers of God's presence. Because it sort of touches there in Ephesians 5. It says, now we are light in the Lord. 
Walk as children of light, it says. It says we have been, we've been brought into the light, if you will. You have been infused with God's light. Walk as that. So now, so you got that. Now Philippians 2.5, it says there that as children of God, we shine as lights in the world. Actually, I think it's Philippians 2.15. It's 2.15. But as children of God, we shine as lights in the world. There's something distinct and new that comes from us as we are light in the Lord. Now, what is this? Well, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says that this, there's the knowledge of God's glory, so the presence and the power of God, seen in Jesus, it says there, and it says this, that light, the knowledge of God seen in Jesus, that light has shone in our hearts. So there's an awareness going on of something has changed, something's different. There's a light that is shining from us. So one of the things that I think makes Captain Marvel one of the really cool Avengers superheroes is that she has this energy uh, on, in her, on, yeah, within her, that makes her radiate with this incredible light. Now, maybe you haven't seen Captain Marvel. If you have, I might be ruining it a little bit. But it's this fantastic picture. She, just, she has this whole light. Yeah, there you go. She has this light just radiating from her. And it's this fantastic picture of what we are to be like, I would say, as God's people radiating the light of Christ. That it would be radiating through our pores. That we, that we are children of light. We're living as children of light in the world. So maybe you're going to go away and you're going to think of yourself now like you're more like Captain Marvel than you realized. Okay? Now, what's the reality, though, what's different about us than Captain Marvel there is that God's light is revealed in us, it says there in 2 Corinthians, as this treasure in what? Anyone remember? Treasure in what? Jars of clay which means it's super fragile. So, like, she's regarded as a superhero that's just like, no, nothing can stop her. That's not us. Because it says there that this light, God's light in us, it's, it's the surpassing power of it belongs to God, not to us. It's God's power in us. We are like weak, fragile vessels but God's power in us. Like when Paul says, like, when I am weak, he is strong. Like, I boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. And so 2 Corinthians 4 goes on to say that amidst affliction and persecution and difficulty and suffering in our lives, through experiencing death itself, dying to self, it says there that the life of Jesus is manifested in our bodies. Like there's something that changes in our bodies and it's the life of Jesus within us. So this helps us to understand what it means to have Jesus inside of us. It's something that's really, really profound. The presence of Jesus being manifested in us. How do you live out this new life in Christ? That's the question. How, how do we live as carriers of his presence? And so that, this, that long passage from Ephesians that we, we read, and, it, and again, I, I read it because it helps us to see kind of Paul's overarching thought over sort of all that he's saying there. It helps us in this regard. So how do, how do we live as carriers of God's presence? Number one, 
We put on the new self. He start, that's where Paul starts there. He says, take off the old self, put on the new self. Having, he says, having learned Christ. So that there's, it points us that there's been this examining of ourselves and our practices. We're, we've learned that the way of Jesus is different than the way that we came from. And how and where is the way of Jesus different? That's, and that's, that's an ongoing process. What does it mean to put off the old self and all my old habits and ways and way, ways of behaving and thinking? And how is this way of Jesus that I'm learning different? Because pre-Christ, Paul, he's, he doesn't shy away here. He says, pre-Christ, your nature is corrupt. Like it's misguided desires. Your desires are all messed up. In Christ, he says, when you come to Christ, you put off your old self, which is corrupt. He says, you've got to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So there's, there's changes that take place, have to take place, where you come into a new understanding that life in Christ, the new self, is not the same. How we think, how we process, how we react, we assess ways of living, we assess habits of behavior, presence of addictions in our lives. That's got to go. That's not Christ. That's going to keep me from Christ. That's got to go. So we don't, we don't come to Jesus and add him to our lives. You don't, you don't come to Christ and go, you know, Jesus, you fit here and you fit there and I like you there. That, that's good, but not here. It's, it's, if you will, and I know this isn't a perfect illustration, but it's a complete wiping of the hard drive. Like the whole thing's got to be wiped and you've got to install a new system. You've, you've got to install the new self. Now, here's the thing. Don't you wish the process of the old self to the new self was as easy as wiping a computer hard drive? Hit this button, hit this button, boom, boom, boom. Oh, old self, gone. Just install here. What's your password? New self. <laughs> yeah. It's not that easy. Because we just, you can't just erase your history. You can't erase, erase your experiences. You can't erase the way that you relate to the world that you learned as a toddler how to relate to the world and your learned attachment behavior. And won't get into that. There's all sorts of stuff. All that is like coming with you. God knows that. And speaking of this call to be children of light, listen to this. I, I love this. Dallas Willard says, Now, these people are not perfect and do not live in a perfect world yet, but they are remarkably different. The difference is not one of a pose they strike, either from time to time or constantly, or of things they do or don't do, though their behavior too is very different and distinctive. Where the children of light differ is primarily and most importantly on the inside of their life. It lies in what they are in their depths. That's so rich. Willard, he, he goes on there to dig into how that manifests in our thought life, in our feelings, in our will, in our body, in our social relations, in our soul. He goes through it all, and it's, it's profound. Read the book. Read the book, Renovation of the Heart. Amazing. But children of light are distinctive. It's the transformation of new life in the depths. It speaks to the importance of the inner work. So important. 
So this is not ultimately, we're not talking, new life is not ultimately like a list of like right and wrong behavior. It begins in the heart. It's not about pharisaical behavior. Jesus says, love me. If you love me, you're going you're gonna to keep, you're going to obey my commandments. What's the first commandment? What does Jesus say? The greatest commandment. You shall love with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Whole person. God says, that's, Jesus says, that's the greatest commandment. If you love me, you're going to keep that. So this, this, that, that commandment, that pursuit of that, loving God with our whole person, would you agree that's got to be present in us if we're going to experience real inner transformation? Like, can you experience transformation, old self to new self, if you're not really all that interested in loving the Lord your God with your whole being? There's probably going to be an error there. Would Would you agree with that? Jesus says that's the first commandment. So that's why maybe when we go, why can't I get free of this? Why is this so difficult? Have I settled the issue of what is preeminent in my life? Meaning what is like the most important? What is the most influence over me? And this is a process. It's, it's, Paul speaks in Romans 6 about the body of sin that we're born with. Now, he's not saying your body, is, like your physical body is sinful. No, what he's saying, he's talking actually about, like he didn't realize at the time, but he's talking about the sin that is woven into our central nervous system. It's actually like embedded in our genetic code. If you read about epigenetics and how sin is transferred and passed down in the genetic code, it's crazy. That it, we realize actually why we're actually far more reactive in how we react to certain things than we want to admit. It all has to do with actually what is embedded. Like, like there's sin in my genetic code that's been passed down from my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my father to me. And to deny that and to go, well, it's not there, is, that's just foolish. I mean, that's... So the implication is this. And this is really helpful, actually. You can't be too hard on yourself on one level. You also, though, on the other side, can't deny and go, that's not important. We're not just okay. We need God's work in our lives. Like the transforming work of Jesus is really, really important. And the active work, and it is active, again, in vision, intention, means of putting on the new self, it's essential. So that's, that's where you start to live as carriers of God's presence. Number two, put away corrupt desires. Verse 22, it speaks of our life pre-Christ as being corrupt. It says, through deceitful desires. We're told, you've got to put that off. That's your old way of living. Just put it off. It's not to be part of who you are. There's lots of different stuff to examine here. We're not going to get into this. We're just going to kind of almost very much skim the surface but you could really spend a lot of time to speak the truth with one another. 
Like, get rid of falsehoods in our lives. Like, just get rid of that inclination to live out of a false sense. Presenting visions or versions of ourselves that paint a certain picture to people, right? I mean, it's, it's just, and this is the generation we're in. Like, curate everything and present a certain image to people. Whether or not it's true doesn't matter. But it does here. It says here it does. So we do things to impress others, to have others like us, to hide certain aspects of ourselves. I don't, <laughs> certain things about myself I don't like. I'm inclined to hide them. That, that's, what is that? That sin in the genetic code. You know where that goes back to? Adam and Eve. They hid. And Paul's putting forth a vision of what can be. How do we pursue this with intention and means? Dealing with anger in appropriate ways. Anger is not a sin. It's what you do with anger that produces sin. Because we need to feel and process when anger arises in us. You don't bury, suppress, repress anger. You do that, it's going to explode someday. You have to deal with it. You actually have to look at it. You have to examine it. This, why do I feel this way? Holy Spirit, what's going on in me? Can you reveal this to me? God, I need your help. This is, this is something that's in me, and I don't like it, and I need to deal with it. We're not to let anger linger. It presents all sorts of opportunities for Satan to work in our minds, in our emotions, in our hearts. He just, he'll have a field day when you let anger linger. He says, we're, Paul says here, we're to give no room to sexual immorality, nothing for, to impurity, crude joking, all forms of coveting in our lives. You've got to get rid of that stuff. And the word here, just to be clear, the word for sexual immorality covered all sorts of different types of sexual perversion. So it's not just dealing with one thing. Paul knew exactly. He was covering the whole gamut, going, it, deal with it. It's not good. And Ephesus, at the time where he's writing this to, the culture of Ephesus and the sexual culture was very similar to what we're facing today. Very permissive, very open, anything goes. Paul's saying, no, not, not as children of light. Not having put off the old self and the new self. You're different. There's a lot to dig in here in mind right, as it pertains to dealing with sin issues in our lives. Like we, could, we could mine this a lot. Maybe I'll think I might do this in some podcasts. I don't know, we'll see. But as Willard said, it's, it's not that we're perfect or that it's all about behavior. But being carriers of God's presence, he says, but we're remarkably different and distinctive. There is distinctives. There is something that is profoundly different about those who carry God's presence. And the reason is because of this. The reason is what's being transformed here inside of us. It's changing. It's actually changing every part of us. That's God's intention. Every part of us is being transformed. Captain Marvel, just the light of Christ. All right, how do we live as carriers of God's presence? Number three, put a guard on our speech. Our, our, our speech is the interface between, if you will, the internal and the external world. What's going on down there? As Jesus says in Luke 6, what the mouth speaks, the heart is full of. Parents might say that what 
what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. You ever heard that one? Not going to change it. Whatever's down there is coming up. Ephesians 4, 29, 30, like verses 29 to 32 there in Ephesians 4, it's, it's dealing actually with all manners of speech. The putting away from us, the, the talk and the conversations that manifest bitterness, wrath, anger, discord, slander, hostility. I was thinking a lot about this. Again, because when you focus on a passage, right, you, you spend some time in it. And I was just aware this week, just living, going, this stuff is around way more than I want to admit. And, and as you become aware of it. And Paul says corrupting talk. Just put that away. Corrupt desire. And it's interesting, right? He talks about corrupting talk. He talks about corrupt desires. I think what he's getting at is that our, when, we, when we engage in that kind of speech in our lives that manifests this stuff, we are tying back to our old corrupt self. And we're allowing that false self to exist. He's saying, that's not for you. You know, when we look at this within the whole context there of what we read, what I think we're talking about here is authenticity. Because yeah. our, our culture, ha it has the tendency to encourage us to present ourselves in different ways, in different contexts. What, whatever suits. Like I saw this, I, I, it was like mind-blowing sometimes. I saw this in the sales and the business world with the outside sales reps that I'd work with. Like they would change the way they... they whether, depending what customer they were standing before, they would change the way they operated. If they knew that the guy they're, they're operating with is a Christian, they would change, the, they, like they were like a chameleon. And I'm sitting there going, what is going on? And then you get with, with the guy that, you know, likes to drink and likes to, and then, and then it's a totally different, who are you? We, we, we have to guard ourselves against very surface conversations seems nice, lacks the authenticity. And you go, and you know the thing is, you go away knowing it. You have those conversations and you go away knowing it. It's like, that wasn't authentic. That was, that was surface. Our speech, what we say, what we don't say, and I would add this now, what we post on social media, what we share, what we like, because that's all, that's all speech, just a different form version of speech. A lot is mentioned here as it relates to our new self and walking as children of light. Paul's tying in speech and what we say with our new self and walking as children of light. Isn't that interesting? Think about that in the context of today. Because we're carrying God's presence. That's the call. That's, that's who we're, Paul's saying this is who you're meant to be. So how we talk, tweet, post, whatever, it's connected to God's presence in our lives. There's, there's connections there. Dallas Willard again, he says, the mouth is the main thoroughfare of evil in human life. Just scroll the news. Just, just think about this. Scroll the news and all the bad stuff that's happening. You know what you'll find where almost all of it comes from? What someone said. Ultimately, I was, I was listening to a message on the simplicity of speech this week, and uh, it was talking about how, how followers of Christ over a hundred years ago, when you read the writings 
of, of those who followed Christ hundreds of years ago, how there was a lot of talk, warnings about idle chatter in the life of a follower of Christ. What we call small talk or chit-chat. And the warnings that they they would write about was it's self-absorbed, it feeds the ego, it's it's a breeding ground for sin. So think about that now with social media. Like it's out of control. It is out of control what's happening. And it just keeps ratcheting up. No, I'm not, okay, I'm not saying all small talk is bad. Like, okay, never have small talk. Don't, chit-chat is wrong. No. Like, there's a form of it that is a form of hospitality. It it actually welcomes us into relationship with one another. Social scientists, really interesting, they found that seven minutes of small talk is what's needed for the brain to shift and to become open to being vulnerable. Seven minutes. So having that, that small talk, actually, that's intentional is important. Some of you are probably like, yeah, I knew that. I, th- I think that's so fascinating to, to consider. But so done well. Chit-chat, small talk, done well opens us up, actually. But small talk can also be, and I think we've all experienced this, all seen it, all heard it, whatever. It's a breeding ground for gossip, for slander, for put-downs, for character defamation, for white lies, for half-truths, for exaggerations, boasting, one-upmanship. I've probably done all these. Power dynamics. Yep, yep, like I can, yeah, all of that. And Paul says all of that grieves the Holy Spirit. So I was pondering this and I was like, I was thinking, man, I need to, like I've got to assess myself, catch myself. But I've also, like this, I need to make this a topic of ongoing conversation with my kids, with these guys. Because that's happening all the time with kids. All the time. I pick up enough conversations and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, what's going on? So, we've got to, parents, and we don't just have to teach it and talk about it as parents, we've got to model it. Actually, that's the biggest thing. What do we model? How do we model speech that Paul talks about here that builds up gives grace to those who hear it and is full of kindness. Having hearts that are open and full of mercy. How do you, how do you have speech that does that? And it's, it's tied to being carriers. Of, see, this is tied to being carriers of God's presence. And this is not about exerting willpower to try and change. You will not change this. You know why? It's in your genetic code. So you won't like, oh, I can exert enough willpower and I can, no. It'll be a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience of vision. This is my vision for how I want to change. This is my intention of what I need to do. And this is the means. I'm going to just slowly, surely, I'm going to cultivate this in my life of how I talk and how I don't talk. That's that's Formation. That's, that's the formation into the way of Jesus. 
Okay, last. How do we live as carriers of God's presence? How are we? Okay, got to hurry up. Verse 8, Ephesians 5, says, Walk as children of light. Says for, Paul says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And he says, Try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. So how, how do I lo- align my life with this new life in Christ? How do, how do I glorify God and how do I follow his ways? How do I produce good fruit? Verse 15 says, look carefully how you walk. So I've got to assess how I'm living, decisions I'm making, because how I live matters. What, what do I spend my time on? What do I, how do I teach my kids to use their time? How do I model that for them? The fruit of this light is all that is good, all that is right, all that is true. It's, it's coming into wholeness. It's moving from the old self, the false self, into your true self. It's what God, he desires to do in us. It's, it's, he's talking here about being fully in the light. Walking in the light. Seen for all that you are. No shame, no pretense. You're secure you know who you are in Christ. You know what God is destined for us to be. We're walking as children of light. And we're living in the light. Again, what's the vision for living in the light? What's the intention of how I'm going to live in the light? What are the means by which I'm going to live in the light? How am I going to foster confession and repentance in my life? We want to cultivate this in our home groups. It takes time, but we want to cultivate that. So good, important. You know, it's interesting. Verse 18 speaks of the choice, really, between contrasting desires in our lives. People filled with the Spirit. It's, there's a consistency. Wherever we go, whatever we do, being filled with the Spirit, seeking the Lord to be filled with more of the Spirit. And Paul he puts forth drunkenness here as an example of the counterfeit. It's the counterfeit to this. He's saying, don't do that. That's a counterfeit. Seeking, we were to seek the spirit rather than momentary pleasures. Because what is, why does he use drunkenness? Well, what does drunkenness seek? Escape from reality, the numbing of the pain inside, and, and seeking counterfeit pleasure. And I think given the context here of speech and behavior, the contrast presented here is really, really important because alcohol, we know this, alcohol loosens us up. You get more of it into, and you, you feel it, like you feel it inside. There's this loosening up, like I'm, I'm more free to say this, I find myself doing this, there's, there's a removal of self-control that comes with it. And so it's, it is a specific warning to drunkenness in our lives, but it also speaks of the counterfeits of don't pursue counterfeits in your life. Pursue life in the Spirit. Life being filled with the Spirit. And so amidst this focus on new life and living as children of light, we're presented with this exhortation here, this encouragement to life in the spirit and its effects. 
which is contrasted, he's saying, to living in darkness. Once, he says, once you were darkness, you're no longer that. You're now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And, and so look what it manifests in us. All that is good and right and true. Just wholeness. It, verse 19, it manifests worship in us. Praising God. Worship is right at the center. Paul goes right to worship. Verse 20, it ignites thankfulness in us. Giving thanks always and forever to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thankfulness that points us to Jesus. Just stirs thankfulness in us. And it grows humility in us. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's humility. Worship, thankfulness, humility. That's life in the spirit. So there's this, this really cool scene near the end of Captain Marvel. And uh, you can put that picture up again, actually, Shane. It's actually, it's right, this, this picture here is from the scene. And she's, so she's reading this light. And all of a sudden, Ronan, who's, he's just, he's just a bad dude, bad guy. And he releases hundreds of ballistic missiles from their ship towards the earth. And it's like, the earth is doomed. And Captain Marvel comes up and she's radiating light. And she takes all of her energy towards these ballistic missiles and just <laughs> destroys them all. And the guys, Ronan and his, his sidekick in the ship, they're looking going, how did that just happen? And so then they, they release their fighter jets. They've got all these little fighter jets full of other bad dudes. And they release them all towards the earth. And she just destroys them all. Just boom, boom, boom. She's just radiating light, right? And you're like, whoa, it's amazing. I know. And then she flies through their, through their one ship, the entire ship. It, this happened, guys. You don't believe this happened? <laughs> I, okay. Flies right through the ship, just <laughs> explodes the whole ship, light everywhere manifesting. And I'm like, what a cool picture of us radiating Christ. Right? Because you know Captain Marvel? I, this might be hard to believe. She's got nothing on me. It has nothing to do with me. She's got nothing on you. Because you radiate with Christ's light. When you do, it's amazing. All right. I want to end with some questions because I think it's so good, again, what is my vision for this? What's my intention? What are the means by which I'm going to get there? How, how, so I want to have put some questions before us. That you can, we, Michaela, you can come up. But I, I would encourage, I mean, I would encourage you not to just sit here for two minutes and go, oh yeah, look at those questions. Like, take these away and process them with the Lord. There's so much to process here. Number one, how is my inner life being transformed by the life of Jesus? See, I'm purposely, don't, don't, don't assess behavior. How is my inner life doing? How am I doing with speaking the truth, handling anger in my life, and sexual stuff in my life? Number three, where do I need to bring my speech into alignment with the way of Jesus? And number four, 
Where am I pursuing more of God's spirit in my life? How do, how do we cultivate these things in our lives? So I'll leave you with those questions. Lord, speak to us and 